Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Not that you and I are going to do this, but understand that I have within me my old sin nature. If any time I want to let it rule, it'll rule. Now the Holy Spirit will come and he'll talk to me and he'll come against me and he'll convict me and he'll put all kinds of circumstances in my life. But if I finally just say, I'm not interested, these I believe are some of the steps that take place. There are two main types of governments, ones where the people are free and ones where people are not free. Generally speaking, the people in the unfree countries are trying to figure out how to get to a free country. Some people look at God as the ruler of an unfree country, that he's a dictator and bully. But as you'll hear in Pastor Mark's teaching today, God's not ever going to force you to do anything. He'll even let you go to hell. That's what you really want. But he'll give you every chance to avoid that. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 10 as he begins his message, Don't Go Back, Stand Firm. Hebrews chapter 10. His name is Ted Turner. There are few people in American public life that are as well known in the media, but also known for his open hostility to Christianity. Ted once said, Christianity is a religion for losers. On another time, he joked that the Pope should step on a landmine. One day at his offices in Atlanta at CNN, he saw the employees wearing ashes on their forehead, Ash Wednesday for those that were Catholic. He said, what are you, a bunch of Jesus freaks? You ought to be working for Fox News. Amazingly, recently, the pro-Christian movie, God and Generals, was actually underwritten and bankrolled by Turner. Some people thought it was very odd. As I was reading the article, Turner made this statement. He said, it's not odd. He said, I've read the Bible from cover to cover more than once. I was born as a young man more than seven times, so one of them was bound to take. He went on, and in a conference that he actually funded for the United Nations, a religion world conference in 2000, he denounced the Christian faith of his childhood as false and intolerant. One conservative Christian observer described the speech as the most blasphemous thing I've ever heard in my life. Recently, he made this statement. 
So I'm living like a Christian, he said, after recounting highlights of his charitable giving. I guarantee you that I'll see you in heaven. I'll be like the guy who has the last two tickets in the stadium. I've lived a really good life. I'm going to say, hey, St. Peter, remember Gods in General, the movie that I funded? This movie is a final bit of insurance that I get in. A writer has said, leave aside the basic misunderstanding that Turner has about a Christianity and what it teaches about salvation, obviously. What's very interesting is that a man like Turner is clearly haunted by the idea that heaven exists and he might not make it there. You see, in spite of all of our talking, we absolutely know from maybe one of the most vocal against Christianity in the United States, public figure, we know that God wants to deal with the hearts of men and women. And no one is too difficult for him to reach unless they choose to be unreachable. It's always a matter of choice. We begin in verse 26, Paul giving us a very difficult passage Paul, the writer, if Paul was the writer to the Hebrews, says this. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Obviously, from verse 26, we see that he's addressing these Jewish believers who probably live in a area of Italy, maybe Rome, and they've converted to Christianity. You know, that's what the whole book of Hebrews is about, this small home church. And he gives them a warning. Notice they've received the knowledge of truth. They know what Christ has done for them. But then there's this intentional, willing, knowledge, rejection of Jesus into a lifestyle that's just continually a lifestyle of sinning. Now, this is not a warning of a person that sins or like you and I do and we ask for forgiveness. But again, this goes back to the sin of apostasy. It's the same thing we taught. Paul mentions it again, which I think is very interesting. We taught about it in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. What is apostasy? Here's the sin of apostasy. It's deliberate and willful turning from Jesus and renouncing your faith. In other words, it's a turning away, it's a rebellion, and it's an abandonment. It's not this little kind of a deal where you get angry at God for a few moments and then repent. This is this lifestyle of simply deliberate saying, almost as we've seen Ted Turner do, I'm done with God, it's ridiculous, Christianity's useless. So these were real believers 
that are being warned not to do one thing, abandon Jesus. Remember the book of Hebrews is about better, better, better. New Testament covenant, way better than Old Testament. And so he said, don't go back to the Old Testament, because if you go back to the Old Testament, then you're going to go back to only one thing, the law. And you can't be right with the law. You can't be right by doing enough good works, i.e. 10 Turner. doesn't matter how many good movies that kind of have a Christian message to them. doesn't matter how many he underwrites. Good works will never do it. So notice in verse 26, the end of the verse, no sacrifice for sins is left. So the whole book is about one thing. The one sacrifice for our sins that God will accept. We know absolutely what that sacrifice was. It was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So this is the sin of turning away from the truth of Jesus Christ, turning your back on him. So what is he writing again? He says this, warning, don't leave Jesus. He's the only source of salvation. So it isn't Jesus plus... It isn't something else that we can add to Jesus. By grace we're saved. Through faith, that's it. We're done. It's over. That's the only way that we can do it. So how does a person become an apostate? How does a follower of Christ, and as you know, there's lots of arguments that a follower of Christ could never be an apostate. I think you can see that there's enough proof in the Bible that that can happen. It's very rare, I believe, but it definitely does happen. How does that happen? How does a person turn their back on Jesus and just go, I'm not interested anymore? Well, I don't believe it's ever anything really instant. I believe this is a step-by-step process from Christ. I'm going to just give you some things to think about. And they all start with a D. I want you to think about it. Not that you and I are going to do this, but... Understand that I have within me my old sin nature. If any time I want to let it rule, it'll rule. Now the Holy Spirit will come and he'll talk to me and he'll come against me and he'll convict me and he'll put all kinds of circumstances in my life. But if I finally just say, I'm not interested, these, I believe, are some of the steps that take place. You can see the scriptures and how all this works from them. Number one way that any person could be backslidden that would lead to apostasy would be simply this, to ignore that Satan is a great deceiver. One of the things you can say, and I never focus on this, but you don't ever say never to anything. When you see people fall, you say, well, I never could fall to that sin. I think that's a very dangerous thing. I don't confess that I'm going to fall to that, but I know who I am. I'm just a human. And Satan is a wise person. He's been around a long time. Remember Paul, toward the end of his life, he said this, I beat myself. I keep my body under so that I might not be a castaway. So he understood it. So number one, ignoring Satan's deception, the D word. Second, the writer already wrote this in the book of Hebrews. We start to drift from the word. What does that mean? Well, Remember we talked about we can be so intelligent and think that if I know the word, that's enough. No, God didn't give us the word just for information, but for transformation, 
There has to be a transformation in my life. So I have to be careful that I don't become just knowledge. I was in the, one of the supermarkets the other day, and maybe if you hear it was you, I hope not, but you can come talk to me afterward. The individual, I could tell she was whatever, and she kind of wore her Christianity on her sleeve as she was checking out. And she just went into this long tirade. I've read the Bible through 27 times. I'm going to read it through another 27 times. And she was bragging and going on and on. And I'm thinking, you know, if I'm like a non-believer, I'm going, I'm not interested at all. And that's not what we're trying to do. It's not how many times you've read the Bible. It's how many times the Bible's gone through you and changed you is what it's about. Number three, doubting the word. We'll begin chapter 11, Hebrews. We could be in chapter 11 until Jesus comes. Because it's the chapter on faith. It's a great chapter. See, Satan wants us to doubt the word of God. Well, it isn't true for me. True for that person. But God doesn't want me to prosper. God doesn't want to heal me. God can't save my husband or can't save my daughter or can't save my son. They're just too far. No, that's wrong. So we doubt the word. Then, as we move through this, you can see this process. You really then become dull. We talked about that in Hebrews 5. The things of the Spirit, you're not on fire anymore. You're going through the motions. Nice things are happening. You're here. We're all here. But nothing. you get up in the morning, you have your devotions, and nothing's really happening. We just become dull. We're not sharp in the Word anymore. Number five, and that would be uh, Hebrews 10, verse 24. And what that is, this is very important. When you begin this process, we distance ourselves from the Word and from God and from other Christians. When you begin to see people that are here on a regular basis and you begin to see them hit and miss, they're in a process that's not healthy. We've all been there. When we get discouraged, that happens. We're not a church when you come, like you get a gold star every time you come three Wednesdays in a row or something, whatever. Pastor Dave will do that when he's here three weeks in a row. If you don't come, he'll call you. Not really. So we're not into that, but there is this deal. If you start distancing yourself from God, from his word, you know, devotions are, we're not into legalistic devotions. But you should be into the word 15, 20 minutes a day, most days of the week, having a conversation with God. Then number six, as you move through all of those, we head to this area of deliberate, continual sinning. Now, what we do there is we ignore the Word, and we're really ignoring the Holy Spirit. See, you and I, if we're in a walk with God, you can't ignore the Holy Spirit when you sin. Because you're going to feel terrible. He's going to convict us, as He does all of us, and we know... After we try to make an excuse to him, and that doesn't work, we know it's not going to work anyway, we admit it, we get forgiven, and we're clean again, and we feel good. When we don't do that, that's when this process comes. This, just by step six, you can just write the hardening of the heart. That's what begins. See, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. And then last... You get to the place where the person simply denies the word, denies Jesus, and denies the faith. They don't want anything to do with it anymore. It didn't start there. You don't move from step one to step seven. And by the way, these are just my steps, but I think they go through perfectly in 
the book of Hebrews, as we've been talking about. So keep those around, not because you're going to do that, but just to see if you see yourself in one of those areas. And that's why I think chapter 11 is so powerful, because it's going to be on faith, not doubting the word. And you'll see how important faith is as we go through. Look back at verse 27. What results when this happens? Only a fearful expectation of judgment of a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Since there's no forgiveness, the only thing left is judgment. If there's no forgiveness. Verse 28. So then he goes to kind of an Old Testament passage to give us uh, an idea what judgment for sin was like in the Old Testament. Verse 28. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So Paul says in the Old Testament, when people rejected the law, which is the lesser than the New Testament, remember, lesser and greater, when they did that, if they abandoned the faith, they died if there was two or three witnesses that could collaborate that they did that. They were killed. Let me read to you Deuteronomy chapter 17. Let me read it to you. When you begin living in the towns the Lord your God has given you, a man or woman among you might do evil in the sight of the Lord your God and violate the covenant. For instance, they might serve other gods or worship the sun, the moon, any of the stars, the forces of heaven, which I have strictly forbidden. When you hear about it, investigate the matter thoroughly. If it is true that this detestable thing has been done in Israel, then the man or woman who has committed such an evil act must be taken to the gates of town and stoned to death. But never put a person to death on the testimony of only one witness. There must be two or three witnesses. The witnesses themselves must throw the first stones, and then all the other people may join in. In this way, you will purge the evil from among you. Well, that helped, didn't it? Would that help here? That would help. Did it cure? No, it didn't cure. Why? Because the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Can you imagine taking the stone, being the first person throwing the stone at the person who is bowed down to idols and you're going to kill them outside the city gates? It would cause you the next time to what? Think pretty seriously about what you did. So in the Old Testament, if that's what was done, what about the New Testament? That was done to the law. Look at 29. How much more severely... Do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? Paul says, can you imagine the punishment for an apostate of the New Testament covenant that was based on Jesus Christ? The person will suffer even a worse punishment because he has treated the Son of God with scorn, regarded the blood as just common, and insulted the Holy Spirit. Ken Hughes has a different statement. He says, this is an attack by the unbeliever, the apostate, on the person of Christ, on the work of Christ, and on the Spirit of Christ, who is the Holy Spirit. He's trampled the Son of God underfoot. He denies he has any need for Christ. That's exactly what we've heard 
Ted Turner say. Then he counts the blood of the covenant, blood of Jesus Christ, as common. The blood of Christ, yeah, he shed his blood. So did the guy next to him on the cross. And so did the guy on the other side. Big deal. So it's common. It's not common. Because the blood of Jesus Christ was from a sinless man. Very different. And three, he has insulted the spirit of grace. The spirit of God has illuminated him, convicted him of his sin, showed him that Christ was the only one. As you know, the Holy Spirit leads us to Christ, convicts us of our sin. And this person says, I'm not interested. Now, God doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to come to forgiveness. But if you reject the gracious warnings of the Holy Spirit, then eventually one person becomes this apostate. Now, verse 30. For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's a tough statement, isn't it? You see, we don't understand the enormous sin that caused Christ to go to the cross. We overlook our sin. We take sin fairly lightly. And what this is saying is, don't you judge Ted Turner. I'm not going to judge Ted Turner. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. If I'm not careful, I can still start those seven steps and go pretty close to being a crazy idiot myself, just like anybody else. If you've been in Christianity a long time, you've found people, maybe not take those seven steps exactly, but you saw people that you used to worship with who now absolutely deny anything to do with Jesus Christ. And we're shocked because we knew those people. In our mind, we're going, that's impossible. No, it isn't impossible. They did it. And so what this simply says is, God is the one who's just. God is the one who will always have the last words. And as we're moving through that, understand this statement. Judgment belongs only to God. Now look at these two verses talking about revenge. It's good for you and I to understand that God is the one that makes all things right. You and I rarely can make all things right. We just saw the young hiker with her dog and beautiful young ladies, athletic and whatever, and now we see the man who led her to her body. If you're there, if you're the father, man, I mean, this is a tough verse to do, isn't it? Because you'd like to take a gun right out and just shoot the guy right through the head and just forget it. But... Eventually, we have to leave that to our government. And then second, we leave it to a just God. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark reminded you how much God loves all people and is constantly reaching out to them. You heard that the writer of Hebrews was warning his readers against leaving from following Jesus, which is apostasy. Pastor Mark told you again how Satan is a deceiver and that he only wants to steal, kill, and destroy you completely. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. 
subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue this message, Don't Go Back, Stand Firm. He'll be talking more about the steps someone takes as they go away from God. Pastor Mark will give you advice on how to deal with a family member or friend who you see going down the path toward apostasy. You'll be reminded about God's love and His mercy toward all people. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.